0: So we're continuing the ser- series here. We're with the rooster. So if you've missed the uh, communion and you've missed Palm Sunday, I w- it's real easy to figure out where we're going there because you just follow the pictures. Uh, but if you want to catch up, you're like, oh, I missed that one. I always want to know more about communion or want to know more about why in the world did we do this Palm Sunday, like triumphant entry? What was that going on? You can always catch up with our past uh, messages online at scog.com. So make sure you do that if you want to stay uh, caught up. It's okay if you don't. I won't be offended. Uh, today we're talking about the sovereign servant, and this is one of the most interesting times in uh, that I think uh, about whole Easter. It's just one of those things that doesn't really make sense. And today we're, the icon is the rooster, but really we're kind of encapsulating Peter's story of Easter. We're, we're dealing with a foot washing, and we're going to deal with the rooster crowing, and then we're going to deal with uh, the restitution of uh, of Peter. And so how does Peter deal with the whole Easter story is really where we're going to center in today. And really, what do we do with Easter? And I wanted to examine Peter because he responds to Easter, I think, a lot of the ways that we do. He doesn't know what to do with it. At Christmas, we understand, there's a baby! Awesome! Easter's like, God died, came back, Huh? It's a little bit harder to wrap our heads. For me, it's a little harder to wrap my head around. And I think in Peter's struggle with dealing with what's going on around him, we can find a lot. We can identify uh, a lot of things with. So that's where we're going to go today. Uh, um, if you've ever thought of those things, if you are a person who does and speaks before they think, um, then you can identify with Peter. I wouldn't know anybody like that. Um, But that's uh, where we're we're headed today. And really, it's answering this question. How do you respond to Christ's service in your life? How do you respond to Christ's service in your life? Because what we're talking about is, how did Peter respond to Christ's service in his life? You have to understand that this is starting, setting the scene for you. Last week, we talked about the Last Supper and about communion. And this is actually, we're starting out with foot washing, happens before even communion, okay? So just to give you, I jumped ahead and then jumping back, and I understand that's confusing. But you have to understand what's going on in the upper room. This is something that happens right after, well, a couple days after the triumphant entry. The disciples are sitting there in the room going, oh, this is it. Jesus has been going to the temple, he's been clearing people out, he's kind of doing crazy stuff, he's picking fights left and right, here we go, here we go, here we go, we're going to be like, you know, something good's going to happen. You know, and John and Andrew and Simon, they're all arguing over who's going to get like what job in the new kingdom. They're like, no, I'm going, to be the, I'm going to be the treasurer, no, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that, and they're all thinking, here we go, here we go we followed this guy in the desert for three years. Now we get the, you know, the dividends are going to come along. And so that's what's going on in, in this idea of sitting here. They're coming to this meeting expecting, like, the positions to be doled out. So you can understand the confusion when Jesus gets up, wraps a towel around his waist, and starts washing their feet. Like, what are you, what are you, stop it. What are you doing? And Peter basically says that. He basically says, no, that's enough, Jesus. You will not wash my feet. Because foot washing was to be done by a slave, the lowest on the totem pole, not by the the king, not by the Messiah. It was to be done by a slave, by a servant, by the lowest on the totem pole. That's who it's for, not for the king. And so just imagine in a day in which you don't, I mean, you're walking in dust all day long. Jerusalem is swelled to probably 150,000 people. There's people, camels, donkeys, sheep, everywhere. You're walking around town, walking around town, walking around town. Do you know what your feet would gather up? Mm. And Jesus goes to wash their feet. They didn't just get like a, a mani-pedi before. They're nasty, okay? We do a, a, a foot washing service here. It's called Maundy Thursday Service. It's a funny name. I ha, I've done a lot of research, still have no idea why it's called that. It's, it's a, um, a foot washing service on, uh, on Thursday before Easter. It's a fabulous time. It's one of the, my favorite moments in the life of the church year, Uh, because it's such an intimate experience. And I know some of you people are, you just consciously, when I said foot washing, tucked your feet underneath your chair, right? You did. You're like, no, don't touch me. Uh, It is such a humbling experience for the person who is washing feet, but also if you've ever participated, the person who has their feet washed. It's just a, it's a wonderful moment. And we want to invite you to that. And you don't have to participate if you you don't want to. And I know some people, they are like, they're scrubbing their feet before they come and you know, all these things. That's not really what it's about. It's about service, about community. It's about saying, hey, I'm in this with you, and it's a wonderful service. So uh, if you're interested in that or you want to talk more about that, I'd be uh, very excited to talk to you about our Monday Thursday service, which is in your bulletin, um, the times of that are. Okay? Peter responds several different ways. <clears throat> he responds with Christ's service with self-reliance. And I think sometimes when we come in contact with the way Christ has served us, we're like, okay, it's God, God, I got this. Thanks for saving me, getting me to heaven, but I got it from here. I, I got it, and I'm going to take it from here. Because that's the, I'm going to, you know, we're in Chicago. Well, the outskirts, Chicago land. for all of you that don't want to think that you're a suburb of Chicago. We're in Chicago land. The city of big shoulders. I'll do it myself. All right? Peter responds the same way, no, Jesus, thank you, got it, got my own feet. I'll deal with it, right? Uh, John 13, verse 13. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew the hour that would come to him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were there were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew what the Father that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. I love this. Then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Just do the whole thing. Just douse me. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It goes on, John, uh, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another by that everyone will know you that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter operates under this, what? You don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. I got cut. I'll go to the mat for you. I'll take care of you. I'll do everything for you. And I think sometimes that's, that's our response to how Jesus is interacting in our lives. Okay, thank you for doing that much for me. Maybe it's a, a moment and a presence and an experience that you have with God, but then you're like, okay, I got it from here, God. Monday morning, everything goes back to being exactly the same. Or Tuesday morning, you're like, oh, well, okay, the family's fighting again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this myself, God. I read a book. And I think that falls in, into my, uh, my psyche. I, I do that all the time. Okay, God, thank you. I'm going to take what you taught me and just go do it here. Instead of inviting him to take part in the whole, and participate in the issue, participate in the problem. What do family issues, what does marital, marital problems look like when instead of going, okay, I'm trying to apply what I learned from Dr. Phil, go to, i got to pray through this situation, and i got to pray with my spouse through the situation. And your spouse says, quit praying for me. It's not, that's the only thing I can do. Because I guarantee you, tapping into the wisdom from your own heart is nothing compared to tapping into the wisdom from God. And some of us are looking around the room and thinking in our own hearts right now going, God is the only one that can save my marriage. Sometimes the reaction needs to quit being self-reliance which is letting him wash, letting him do his thing. In servitude, Christ displays his greatest power. That he can be a king, that he can have all authority and all power, yet serve. It takes a big person to be able to do that. Because often when we get position, often when we get status, well, I don't have to take out the trash anymore. I don't have to do these things anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. That's their job. There is no lower job that a servant could have besides washing feet. And Jesus says, you know what, all those, all those jobs? Because think about it. What are the disciples doing? They're arguing, probably arguing and talking over what position in the kingdom they're going to have. And Jesus says, oh, you joker. He's going to wash your feet and put it really... In perspective, is that you hearing that? You understand that? This is this is an amazing thing. Foot washing is a found, foundational shift from the expected. It's flipping everything on the hit on its head, and all throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus keeps on doing this. It's called um, the upside down kingdom. Jesus keeps on going. Nope, kings do this. Nope, if you want to have authority, if you want to have power, do this. If you want to change something, do this. And he flips it every every time. Jesus. Uh, Man thinks people need to have, you know, do this and do this and be in charge and be in power and have influence and and all these things. And Jesus is always like, nope, do it a different way. Serve, love, serve, love. And it's, it's a foundational shift from what is expected. Peter also responds with denial. Later, in John 18... Simon, Peter, and the other disciples were following Jesus. Because the disciple was known to the high priest, he went to Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door, and the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples, are you? She asked Peter, and he replied, I am not. And he replies, I am not. What did he say just just a few hours before? I would die for you, God. He goes as far as chopping somebody's ear off. He's really bad with a sword. Really good, if that's what he meant to do. I don't know, but uh, he goes as far as chopping somebody's ear off with a sword. And now, just a few hours later, he's saying, "I don't, I don't don't know that guy." Who me? What? He denies him, and I think that's sometimes our reaction to God's service. I don't even know him. I don't. mm. When things get tough, or things we're struggling with God, and We're struggling with things of this world. We're struggling with marriages and and parenting and all the things. "Ah, I don't really think I know God. We deny the sacrifice. We deny the service that God has given us. We deny being taught by him. We deny being loved by him. It's kind of saying, when we walk away from Jesus, when we deny that he is who he is, we're saying his love is not as important as the temporal love or the temporal pleasure that we get here. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself, so they asked him, you aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I'm not. I don't know if he just wanted to stay near the fire. I don't know if he would... quite possibly a warrant out for his arrest. You know, this is a self-preservation move. I understand this. But what he does is he he chooses to be safe in that moment over standing up for Christ. He denies walking with him, John 18:25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, so they asked, "You aren't one of his disciples, too, are you?" He denied it saying, "I am not." When we walk away from Jesus, we're saying, any life changes that we have made are not worth it. Think about it. Peter probably sells his whole business. He sells his fishing business. He sells his life. He, he walks, he's walking away probably from his whole livelihood up in the Sea of Galilee. He's changed everything about his life. And in this moment, in the first real true test, of what's going on, he denies him and walks away. Now, to be fair to Peter, it's easy to beat him up. It's real easy to beat him up. His whole world has been shaken. He thinks, he knows Jesus is about to die. And he goes, I've got to be number one or two on the list after that. So, in his defense, we, we get, oh, we're really self-righteous. I would not have done that. Yes, we would have. But, But I just think about this, and I go, in our own, what does it matter to me? It matters that I do this in my own life daily. That when I deny Christ, when I'm like, oh, I got this situation, God. I have this thing, God. I have this whatever it is, God, that we're denying that he was the one who taught us. We're denying that he's the one that walked with us. We're denying all the other things that have happened in our life where God has been there step-by-step walking with us. Instead, we need to embrace the service of God and be just humbled by God washing our feet. This thought came to me this week as I was working on the message and thinking about it. It We take for granted all that he has done for us in favor for people that have done nothing for us. I don't know where that came from. I'd like the bibliography of the Holy Spirit on that one because it was smart. But we take for granted all that he has done for us in favor of people that have done nothing for us. How many times is it, like, Peter doesn't know these people that are accusing him. There's no reason to impress them. There's no reason to try to get them on his side. There's no reason for him to get to like him. But he's willing to deny Christ to be okay in their eyes. How often do we do that? Is it at work? Is it in our family? Is it... Wherever it is at, it's in school, that we say, ah, I'm going to deny. I don't, I don't really go to this. I don't do that. And mm. We have that moment where it's like we have the urging to invite somebody to church or say, hey, you know, I have this relationship with God, and it's really helped me through the tough times. We have these moments. Ah, I'm going to keep my mouth shut right here. And what it is is a denial of all that God has done for us. The third way Peter responds to God's service, he responds with recklessness. And I I love this story. John 21, 7 through 9, when the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord! He wrapped his outer garment around him, where he had taken it off, jumped into the water. That sounds like a bad idea. You're going to put your heavy garment back on to jump in the water. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just thinking, I was a swimmer, (laughs) and Simon Peter drowned. No, Uh, jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, because they're smarter. (laughs) The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals and fish on it and some bread. Jump to verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamb. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. How do we respond to Christ's service? I love this, that Peter knows he's messed up. Peter knows that he's abandoned him. And what does he do? He jumps off a boat with clothes on and starts swimming towards the shore. It's the Lord? What? Gone. There's no hesitation there. There's nothing about that going, going on there. And this is what's beautiful about Jesus throughout his service through this whole series. Jesus dies on the cross, goes through immeasurable torture, and the first thing that happens with Peter is restoration. And this story shows me that there's nothing that I, can't, I can do that keeps Christ from loving me, restoring me, calling me to redemption. Maybe to you today, you need to hear, Mary, do you love me? Dina, do you love me? Paul, do you love me? because sometimes i think we we hear our voices and we hear that and we go oh no well god can't even he won't even no he doesn't even want to talk to me right now god's not human right maybe we hold the grudge god is imme- immeasurable in his redemption do you love me feed my sheep When Jesus is abandoned, the mindset of the foot washing remains. He is still the sovereign servant. When he is denied, he's still the sovereign servant, a king who is washing feet. When he is beaten, he is still the sovereign servant. When he has conquered death, when he has every right to be like, I'm the man, do whatever I tell you to do, he's still what? The sovereign servant. Jesus responds to all of it. With restoration. He responds to all of it with restoration. And I think about our lives and I think about the stuff going on. And I think about the things in, in my life. I think about the stuff that I've done and the stuff I continue to do and the stuff I struggle with. That God responds to it with restoration. Jared, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Calling us to a different action. Maybe today you find yourself in. You've been there, you've been denying, you've been far away, and maybe you try to do it by yourself, right? We've all three fall into we all fall into one of these three categories. We try to do it ourselves, we try to we just deny God that He ever loved us. And some of us are just reckless in it. Today I want to experience God's restoration for my life. I want you to experience God's restoration for your life. That you can participate in it with him. That God seeks to restore you to a life more lovely and more beautiful, grander than you can ever imagine. Today, I, I want to participate in that. Today, I want to say, God, here's my issues. And I just want to imagine God's face saying, all right, Jared, feed my sheep. Think about it, he does Jesus, Peter probably on the tip of his tongue has all these excuses for what happened. and Jesus has, well, doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, listen, 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 listen. listen. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Because you know loudmouth Peter was just like, oh, but I'll, I'll take care of this and I'll run 100 miles and I'll chop somebody else's ears off. I'll do anything for you, God. Peter, do you love me? Yes. ADD kid, just hold him by the shoulder. And some of us, We need to be held by the shoulders, right, by God and say, wait a minute, do you love me? Yes. All right. Now we can work from there. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this church and thank you for this moment. God, I am humbled. I am blessed. I am blown away by how you love us, how you restore us. God, that you would take us by the shoulders right here, right now, right in these moments and say, Do you love me? And that our answer be a resounding yes. God, we know you care for us. We know you have a plan for us. God, we're sorry for denying you. We're sorry for walking away from you. We're sorry for overreacting. We're sorry for all the things that we do. God, I'm tired of offering excuses. I'm tired of bringing up reasons why I walk away. God, today I want to know that I'm restored in you. I want to know that you love me. God, my prayer for this church, that some way, somehow, right now, and in in today, and in, in whatever situation that they're at, they can experience your love in a new and fresh way. And whatever they're struggling with, whatever denial they're struggling with, whatever situations are, are racking their hearts and their, and their minds, that they can know that you love them, that you care for them, that you redeem them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.